Thank you guys for tuning in to Realistically, man. We are here for the kickoff of Series 1 entitled Self-Awareness. It is here. It is here. Um, and I just thank God for the um, the confirmation of everything that I, uh, that is getting ready to take place on this podcast. But um, yesterday uh, before, while I was just reading over my notes for this um podcast the the lord i felt the spirit testing my motives um to my assignment and it's a go it's a go um it's, it's a go i don't even know how to explain it all i could say is that it's a go um you know to whom much is given much is required and we i'm I, i'm here just to get help people live in their truth um because it was a process for me it was a hard thing for me to do but by the grace of God, I'm here. And by the grace of God, you will be where you need to be. So we, it, it, I don't know. So let's get started. Um, so um, the first series is titled Self-Awareness. And today we're going to be talking about the importance of um, self-awareness. So I believe that being self-aware is a huge part of your transformation process. And before you can um, even move towards anything, before you start building friendships, relationships, business partnerships, um, before you even comp- uh, perform at your highest potential on your job, and the list honestly can go on and on. Um, you must be self-aware. And what's crazy about self-awareness is that we don't have it, and we're definitely going to elaborate um, today on, a por- on the importance of self-awareness and how to become self-aware. So, um, like I told you guys earlier, uh, this year we are making a commitment to look inward and asking the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts. And before we dive into being self-aware, let's unpack what it looks like when you aren't self-aware. So here are just some signs that you are lacking self-awareness. So signs that you lack self-awareness, you tend to judge others. And let's be honest, let's call a spade for a spade. We have all judged someone's what without knowing their why, but somehow it is much easier. It is much easier to sweep around others' front doors before we sweep around our own. And that old saying, sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine, is a great parallel to Matthew 7 and 5, which says, you hypocrite. This is Jesus talking. He says, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And what's crazy is that so many Christians, so many Christians, remember I told y'all this year I'm dedicating my podcast to believers. So many Christians struggle with pointing out the sins of others while ignoring the obvious sin in their own lives. Jesus always made it clear that judging was to be done by the Father and that our focus should be concerned with uprooting sin out of our own lives rather than concerning ourselves with the sins of others. And in the Christian community, we tend to judge other Christians, especially while they are being conditioned, especially while they are being conditioned, because we forget that his ways are not our ways and that sometimes God has to expose um, us to get our attention. And we harm our brothers and sisters by gossiping about their conditioning. And we are all guilty of it in some form or fashion. We are all guilty of it. Um, But then then, then you kind of have that group. That says, well, I didn't say anything, but I heard it. The fact that you listen, but you never spread the rumors or the allegations of other, the seed of gossip has been sold into you and the enemy is waiting for the right moment to get that about you because you have failed to see the recycling of a generational curse. Gossiping is a generational curse. I told you I'm dedicating my podcast to believers this year because it is something that I feel like we need to talk about as Christians before we even step out in 2022 to try to make disciples um, as we are Christians are called to do Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says all authority is in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son of the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we are called to make disciples. We are called to teach the word. We are called to bring people into God's kingdom, but we are not properly making disciples because they don't look like what church is supposed to look like. You know, we can't get past. I'm at the, I'm, I don't know. And I hope, I hope this penetrates your heart in a way for you to, like I said, examine yourself to look inward, not to blame others or point the fingers. I say, Oh, this is for somebody else. No, cause this is for you. Put it into your own situation. We can't even get past the young man who's trying to um, join church because he has dreadlocks or the youth who dresses modern or have a hat on in church because they are because they don't have the same skin color as us. And I'm talking to my people. 
my people, just because they don't have the same skin color as us, you know, we can't get past that. And I'm, um, or even if a woman is in church who is pregnant outside of wedlock, there are churches out here for real, for real, that are preaching God's word and crippling faith. And now the person that God has sent to your church who was a blessing in disguise to the church, but because you didn't steward well and because you have mastered religion and because you are still on milk that is probably spoiled by now, as a whole, because we are a unit, as Christians, we are a unit, we put a delay in someone else's salvation and now their blood is on our hands. Don't believe me? In Ezekiel chapter um, 33 verses 1 through 9, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring a sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from among them and make them their watchmen, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, the sword comes and take them away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take the warning, his blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and take any of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Wherever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, oh, wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his ways. That wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from, uh, from his ways and he does not turn from his ways, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have been delivered, but you will have delivered your soul. So we are to be welcoming God's people. We are to be welcoming. We are to be welcoming people into God's kingdom in any and every condition because God took us with our condition, and that is what we fail to realize as Christians. We 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 get so used to playing church that we forgot that when we had to come to church, the condition we were in, the things that were in our heart, the way our minds wasn't right. We for, we, we we forget that person because we didn't got so used to religion. We didn't got so used to the the all white. And these seats are reserved for these people. We done got so used to it. That if you don't have a two-piece, the whole suit matching, that you ain't really safe. No. We have to get out that mindset. Romans 7, 1 through 6 says, Oh, do you not know, brothers? For I am speaking to those who know the law. The law, which is religion. The law is binding on a person only as he lives. For a married woman is bound to law to her by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not adult. She is not an adulteress. Likewise, my brothers, you have also died to the law. You have also died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to one another. I'm sorry, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in our flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for that. Now we are released from the law. We are released from religion. We are released from traditions. Having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in a new way of spirit and not in the old way of the written code. We are not to tear down our brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are in the world. The goal is for people to look at us and see Jesus. I don't care who they are. That is the goal for them to look at you and see Jesus. So the next point, I'm going to move on from that point. The next point that you lack self-awareness, you point fingers a lot and you blame, you blame others for your problems. Now, I want this to be a visual for you. If you have a piece of paper or open up some notes on your phone, I want you to draw a Venn diagram. Um, and we know Venn diagram is the two circles, but the middle kind of over collapse or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on one side, I want you to put types of problems. And on the other side, I want you to put consequences of your actions. And then, we, of course, we know the middle is how they meet up, how they're the same. So under types of problems, you know, we have basically everything. All, all that is trauma. So we have different types of trauma. You can put your own, whether it's childhood trauma, your experiences, anything that has shaped you to think how you think today, you you write that in. 
On the other side, where it says consequences of your action, that is kind of self-explanatory. I don't think we need to put anything there. But what is it's the middle that I want to really focus on? So in the middle, we have how, you know, how is trauma and consequences of our actions? How do they connect? How are they the same? Your actions are molded by your experiences. Your actions are molded by your experiences. Your experiences have caused you to sow seeds that come with a daily reaping seasons. Your experiences have caused you to sow seeds that come with a deadly reaping seasons. You reap what you sow. Every seed that is that you plant in this life, you will reap what you sow. In other words, it makes you so toxic to the point that your trauma responses cause others to become toxic. Your experiences can turn you into cancer and spread quicker than COVID. Um, my high school uh, teacher, Mr. Lawrence, shout out to Mr. Lawrence. Um, he was our choir teacher. And anytime we had drama within our choir, he would always say, we have to find the cancer. The person who was starting this because once once one person starts, all it takes is a little gossiping and now the cancer is spreading. It is spreading. So he will always call them cancers. And I love that reference and it has always stuck with me. Um, let me break it down even more with an example. You got hurt in that friendship or your relationship and that hurt have caused you to build a wall. Now the way you respond to people uh, who are supposed to, who are meant to cross your path, but that wall have you responding in trauma, your trauma responses to everything. Now um, you have hindered their experiences with you and now they're building up a wall. Your toxicity just is spread just like that. Just like that. Hurt people hurt people. And every time you say, oh, it's always that this is just the way I am. No, it is not. Your experiences have molded you. But we, I, I'm, I'm touching, we're going to go into depth on that a little later. Let me move on. Your behavior changes abruptly. This is the next point that uh, you, you may lack self-awareness. Your behavior changes abruptly. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I don't. Abruptly and um, not for the better And you make excuses Next point you lie a lot And this is something that I struggled with Tremendously you lie a lot And if you um, Go back and listen to Episodes before I even got a word Of what God is doing in 2022 I kind of told my life story um, Pieces by pieces but those experiences Have caused me to lie A lot I, I always lived In shame but and I, and I wasn't living authentically. Like literally, I feel like until up until recently, those of you who knew me before recent, like the last few months, baby, that wasn't me. I wasn't real. All that was fake. Um, just calling the spade for a spade. I wasn't living authentically. Um, I was fluent in lying. I was fluent in lying, and shame caused me to live a life built on lies. And anything that is built on something that ain't solid is guaranteed to fall through. A lot of Christians, um, we are we are living. You know what, like, before I even say that, I'm going to say this. Um, and when I say this, I don't want anybody to get offended because I take mental health very seriously because I have had my own issues. And um, I am currently in school to be a counselor, getting my master's towards their, uh, being a therapist, a licensed therapist and all that. Um, a lot of Christians, most majority of our mental health issues come from us not living an authentic life. Majority of our mental health issues come from us not living an authentic life, not being real with who we are. We um, we are living our lives based on lies. We are not being authentic, and y'all um, y'all know them lies catch up with you, right? They they they, they catch up with you. they catch up with you. Proverbs thirteen and five says, "The righteous hate what is false, but the wicked make themselves a stench and bring shame on themselves." You bring shame on yourself with the lying. People will start to catch you in your lies and your reputation of lying begins to follow you. I used to hate the feeling of, get caught, of getting caught in a lie. I hate I, That is the worst feeling for a person that lies, who, who builds their uh, life on lies. When you get caught in a lie, because at that point, what do you do? What do you do? What can you do? What can you do? Especially with my parents. Because I knew what followed. Like, I hate that I used to try to get over on my parents so much or that I was afraid to just say something that I made it worse for myself. And I knew what was coming after. Like I knew what was coming afterwards, but getting caught in your lies creates the stench that now nobody trusts what comes from your mouth. And that makes it hard. Um, that, 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 that hinders that process of when 
you do become aware and God is trying to call you and now you're speaking this new language and now it's hard it's hard for people who know you to believe you but that is okay that is okay that is not that 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 is okay and we're going to touch on that in a in another topic because I definitely have something to say towards that but we're going to talk touch on that in another series that I'm doing um it is okay it is okay but you want to find a bunch of lies open up social media and I did not know social media was out here bad like that until I took my fast from social media and then I got back on. And I'm like, what is it? What is this? Like, Instagram, not authentic. Facebook, not authentic at all. Like, these people, y'all are building, there, there are people building lives on what others have, what others are doing. You know, you feel like you should be where they are. No, it social media is 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 literally not. It's, it's unrealistic. It is unrealistic. Social media is unrealistic, and the stench that follows from social media is a strong one. We are trying to live lives that we were not called to live. The calling is to be used by God to impact others for the glory of God. But we are so focused on being seen than being fruitful. We are so focused on being seen than being fruitful. So when we start, so we start to play keep up with the Joneses, the Smiths, and the Vanderpools. We start spending money that we don't have. And baby girl, I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself with that. When we start to live in a house that's built on sand, and I want you to be aware of this. If it is making you feel uneasy, what I'm saying, that is your conviction. And I need you to lean into it. Lean into that conviction that is settling on your heart right now. Lean into it. So those are just a few signs. And those ain't no signs that I just pulled from out the sky. Those are signs that I pulled from within my heart that I had to search myself for first. And um, I had to learn that the things that I go through, the things that I struggle with, I'm not the only one. I am not the only one. There is somebody else who is struggling with um you know, being being desired by others, being liked by others, being seen as pure by others. But y'all, in as Christians, we are the body of Christ. And sometimes, what what is what does it say? Um, I heard somebody. The parts that are unseen are more important than the parts that are seen. And we have adapted this mindset that we want to be seen because we see the lifestyle of those who are working for God, who are seen, but you don't understand the agony that comes from when you got to preach stuff that's talking about yourself. You don't understand the convictions that um, people who are preaching God's word that they have to go through for themselves. And you don't understand the mental state of those who are, um, who God are using on the, uh, the outskirts who be seen. You don't understand their mental it is it, it it is not an easy one, and I'm saying that for myself. Not to say that I'm going to be seen anything like that, but when you allow this word to really flow through you, when you allow God's spirit to purge you, my goodness, my goodness, that is it, it's it's a lot. But um, that and and that is a conversation I feel like you need to have with God because it's something that I can't talk about. It's, it's a feeling. It's a feeling, and it's something that you know for yourself. So, um, like I say, I definitely hope that this podcast um, help you on your walk with Christ to get to that point to where you know for yourself, and not just for something that you read or somebody who told you something that, but you know and experience God for yourself. So, why is being self aware important? You begin to know yourself better without understanding. Confusion follows. The more you know yourself the stronger your foundation is. And this is where you begin to um, set your morals and values on God's word. And listen, listen, either you believe all of it or you believe none of it. Either you believe all of it or you believe none of it. We can't pick and choose what we want to stand on when it comes to word and God. Either we're going to stand on the whole thing or we're going to stand on our own. This is not a buffet. This, 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 this Christian lifestyle, what God says, what his, what, what the way he decides to run things, it ain't no buffet. You don't pick and choose what you want. It is, it's, it's a lifestyle. 
It is a lifestyle. You will also um, you'll improve in your decision making. And once, like I said, once your morals and values are um, set, you are rooted in God. And that makes the process of elimination um, much easier, much easier because all we are given options. I was just talking um, about distractions the other day, you know, and Pastor Charles from Transformation Church, the, the sermon he preached last Sunday, you know, he said true obedience is you know you have true I forgot how he said it, but he was like, you know you have true obedience when you have options. You know that you're I don't have to go back and and find what he said. But it's when you have options you under you you know if you are in true obedience. But the fact that when you put your options next to God's word and they don't align, that is where we all know that if you are grounded in true obedience or not. Um but like I said, being self aware, you improving your decision making. Um, you'll be able to regulate your emotions. Why? Because being self-aware is being put in your right mind. Woo! And we have a lot of people who out here who emotions bad. Baby, I was bad. I was emotionally distraught. Emotionally just distraught. I was happy one minute, sad the next minute, enraged the next minute, um, smiling the next minute. Slamming windows, breaking windows the next minute. I emotionally, I was everywhere. I was corrupt emotionally. But being self-aware is is really being put in your right mind. Um we feel we start to feel a sense of empathy. Once you start to understand yourself, you begin to understand others and you begin to see how the way your experiences shape you, their experiences shape them. And you also become a better fit for leadership. You become a better fit for leadership. And being honest, we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. And blind spots are just the absences, just the absence of self-awareness. That's all a blind sight is, a blind spot is. And that's why it is important and it is essential to the lives of us as Christians to cultivate our relationship with God. It is important. And it's important because that is how we gain self-awareness. In order for you to gain self-awareness, and I'm moving on to the next point, in order for you to gain self-awareness, you have to pray for it. You have to pray for it. Psalms 139 verses 23 through 24 says, search me, search my heart. And if you find anything that is not like you, if you find anything that offends you, take it out. Purge me. That, that, is, that is like the ultimate purge me prayer. Refine me. And then it ends to say, and put me on the path that leads to everlasting life. In praying the Psalms 139 prayer, not only does he reveal the issue, but he also reveals the root of the issue. He brings to light the why behind your what. And we often say, this is just the way I am. No, it is not. No, it is not. You have lived your life in bondage to your experiences of a fallen world. And I don't want you to take this point lightly because... Praying a Psalms 139 prayer is the very act of giving God permission to change you. It is, it is giving God permission to change you. And we are not to take lightly the process of change. Change hurts. Change brings um, out the real you. And change will have you out here lonely. But, in the condi- but it conditions you to carry out your purpose. And we are so consumed with the word purpose that we don't understand the depth and the whip with that a purpose carries. Your purpose requires you to change. Your purpose requires you to change. We into this word purpose is so um, culturally abused that we don't understand that in order for you to really be living in your purpose, in order to, for you to know what your purpose is, your purpose requires you to change. That is how you will know what your purpose is. If it is requiring you to change for the better, to line yourself up with God's word, that is your purpose. It will require you to change. Change. Requires you to unlearn to relearn. Unlearning to relearn refers to the process of ditching outdated skills and techniques and diversifying your skill set. Diversifying your skill sets. I'm sorry. You have to constantly learn, unlearn, and relearn to reinvent to reinvent yourself. This is the practical side of change. Most of us are going insane because we are doing the same things over and over. We are going through the same cycles over and over and expecting different results. The encounter you have with God once he shed light on the root of the issue and it starts to make sense, something on the inside of you would not let you stay the same. 
And that is something that I cannot put in words because it is a feeling. It is a feeling and it is it is better it is better understood once you've experienced it for yourself. Everything that you have accepted up to the up to that point and the way you have handled things will start to bother you. It will start to irritate you. Don't invite God into your into your uh into your heart into your life if you are not trying to change cuz with God everything changes. You start to have a striking Fiona moment. That's what I that's how I uh <laughs> that's how I imagine it. Like it's a striking Fiona moment. You just start changing. Literally you just start changing. Ezekiel 36 and 26 says, "And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put in a new spirit I will put in within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh." Earlier I said that, you know, um once we become self-aware, honestly, a season of isolation follows and that is a hard season for some of us to juggle and um my heart sympathizes with it cuz we've all we we all kind of just are in a season of isolation just due to what's going on in the world as far as COVID. But a season for isolation in your spiritual life is so crucial because this is where God gets you acquainted to what will um, hold you until the day he calls you home. Um, The principles that will hold you to his word, the principles uh, that put your morals and values into practicality, um, is that even a word? I'm just be using words. Don't even just be trying to sound proper. But no, um, this is the this is the isolation that usually follows. Um, as Pastor Charles said, when you go to the desert, the isolation that used to um that that follows once you decide to pray this prayer of um self awareness. This season is where God cultivates you to to know what your convictions are. And I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. Like, I know what I'm trying to say, but I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. But um, isolation is where you get acquainted with conviction, with your conviction. It's, that is your, we often try to look for friends who are like, I hate when y'all say y'all want to change. Hate is a strong word. Let me not use that. That is a negative strong word. We, we often we know that we need to make change in our life. We know that we need to make change in our life. And we know the areas that God is calling us to change. And we always try to fill the void by saying we need, we need more Christian friends. We need people who think are like us. We want to be in, in, we want to be in groups, um, with people who have the same for, uh, morals and values. But at the end of the day, everybody fighting their own storm. And at the end of the day, if you don't, uh, go into isolation with God to allow Him to build up your convictions, to allow Him to build up your discernment. You don't know who you get into it with. They got a lot of people. The Bible says, I forgot the verse. It said many would say, "Lord, Lord." Many of them gonna claim Jesus, but their hearts ain't in it. And that is why you need to allow God to um, mature your conviction, mature your discernments, your your discernment, so that way when you see, when He sends you back into the world. You'll know what to entertain and what not to entertain. You'll know to read between the lines with certain people. So um, your your season of isolation is where you get real acquainted with your convictions. Conviction is a fruit of your relationship with God. The more you get acquainted with God through prayer and through actually reading the word and not just posting your favorite scriptures on Instagram or a story or reposting stories of pastors because the theatrics got you excited and the word, but the word don't really penetrate your heart. And are um, you have to actually read it? You have to actually read the word, and you have to also fast. Fasting, my whole mindset on fasting has changed after I took my first fast last month. Fasting is a part of the Christian lifestyle. If you are say you're a Christian and you're not fasting, rewire, rewire, start fasting for. Jesus said, and when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. So all of these things, they build up your conviction and your discernment. The more you know what God's truths are and you are able to discern the things in your life and make godly decisions, you are, wait, hold on, hold on, real talk. I just got lost in my notes. That's crazy because I, I ain't gonna lie y'all, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. These words that I'm saying, 
these ain't easy words. And I'm gonna be honest with y'all. Let me let, let me cut all this off. Let me cut the notes off and let me cut the all that other stuff off. And let, and let me be real about what's inside my heart. The things that God have given me are not easy words. One because I'm it, it convicted me first. I had to see myself. I was I had to preach it to myself first. I had to search my heart. I had to come humble before God and say, God, change me. Before I could even help help uh, uh, put God's word out there, I had to get it for myself first. You don't, And then another thing is a lot of things that I'm saying is coming for people's religion. It's coming for people's religion and not the relationship. You know, a lot of people, we, a lot of Christians are living religiously. And they don't have a relationship with God. Their salvation is intact. So this is this is this is not an easy task. And I don't want nobody to think it's an easy task for me to do. Giving God your yes means you you're gonna have to do the things that ain't that ain't easy. You're going to have to do the things that ain't easy. And this is one of those things. And I ain't gonna lie, y'all. I'm shaking in my boots. I am shaking in my boots. Because I don't even know what comes after this. I don't know what follows. But I am doing what I was supposed to do. Like I said in that, in that uh, verse from Ezekiel. If God gives you a word and you fail to warn the people, they blood on your hands. And I literally read that last night for the first time. And I felt like I sealed my contract with God. God says, I've given you a word. Now that I've exposed you to that verse, that's the contract. I've given you a word, and if you fail to warn the people, their blood will be upon your hands, and that has convicted my heart. And I'm doing the best I can with the strength of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to be vulnerable in that sense. And I ain't going to lie, like, I kind of feel like that weight came off of me. But getting back to um, convictions, um, the more you know what God's truths are, and you are able to discern the things in your life and make godly decisions. When you when you don't make godly decisions or you go down a path that is sinful, your conviction, that gut feeling, that little voice in your head instantly kicks in. And if it don't, I definitely need you to be concerned about your salvation. With God, nothing stays the same, like I said earlier. We will not stay the same if we have a relationship with God. If you believe that um, you have a relationship with God but there is no fruit, no conviction, your salvation is intact. And if that is you, I have good news, honestly. I have good news for you. You can repair that relationship right now in this very moment. And we're going to take a time out to even, we're going to take a time, a second to pray um, right quick for someone's salvation. Father God, I thank you for my brother and my sister who um, who are listening, who is not sure of their salvation in you, Father. Father, you knew them before they were formed in their mother's womb, Father. I pray that they surrender their entire lives to you, not just the parts that they are comfortable with you having, Father. Draw near to them. Draw near to them. And if you want to accept life, uh, Christ in your life as your personal Savior, pray this prayer with me. Father God, we invite you into our hearts, into our lives into every situation, into our past, into our present, and into our future. We thank you for loving us more than we'll uh, be able to comprehend. We accept you as our Savior, Lord, over us, Father. Renew us, transform us, equip us, open our eyes to the enemy's tactics in our life, Father. For we believe that your son lived and that he died and that he rose to save us. Um, And for that, we say thank you, Father. Transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Amen. 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 You do not have to live in your religious ways anymore. You are free from the law. You are free from the law. And um, until God decides, once we are in that season of isolation and until God decides to slowly start allowing us back into society with our new minds, with our renewed spirits, with our discernment, with with the armor on. And we're going to touch on the topic of friendships and all that real soon. I promise y'all, real soon. I got God then gave me everything for the entire year. We're going to touch on all that. Your first friend needs to be your conviction. Your first friend needs to be your conviction. That gut feeling, it is a crucial component in the life of a believer. It is crucial. Without conviction, you will live your life in uncertainty. Your convictions are essential to your faith. It is the very product of the relationship you have with God. It is the fruit of the relationship. It is built through experiences that we have with God when we make him the center of our lives. 
The more you get to know God, the stronger your conviction grows. Your conviction grow, your, your conviction will let you know the consequences of your actions before you even make the choice. That is how strong it is. That is how strong it is. Like your conviction literally has the right to say, I told you so. It literally has the right to say that. And I encourage all of you who pray a Psalms 139 prayer, lean into the change. Lean into it. Philippians 1 and 6 says, he who begins a good work in you will bring it to completion. And it starts with being self-aware. Never be afraid of change and never be afraid to change. Father God, I thank you for being God. I thank you for your redemption plan. I thank you for leaving us your spirit. I thank you for the blueprint of life, the Bible. Father God, we humble ourselves before you. We come asking for self-awareness, God. Search our hearts, Father. Allow your word to shed light and expose us to ourselves. Expose our whys to our what's. But don't leave us there, Father. Uproot anything that is not like you, Father. Father, we invite you into our lives to change us, Father. We are shaped and blinded by our experiences, Father, but we are here standing on your word with all the strength that we have. For your word says in Jeremiah 1 and 5 that you have formed us in our uh, mother's womb. You formed us before our experiences did, Father. Father, help us to stand on your word and your promises. Uncover our cycles and our imperfections. Take away fear, pride, blame, and guilt so that we can face the truth about ourselves, so that we can live in truth for ourselves and others. We will courageously look into your word and embrace the truth of who you say we are, Father. Father God, ground us in your promises. Renew our minds. Renew our hearts. Mold us. Order our steps. Help us to heal. Strengthen us. Build us up. Comfort us. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, y'all, self, being self-aware ain't, ain't no joke. Like, And I look over my life, and I literally, I, I wish I'm about to start crying. Like, um, just... The things that you, I, I told my, my parents, I said, and I'm going to be honest with y'all, I don't have the home that most people think. I didn't come from the home that most people think I came from. Like, yeah, oh, your dad's a pastor. You know, people often associate that with, with, with a good life. No, you know, I didn't, I came from a rough, I came from a rough generational curse. And, being self-aware opens your eyes to the generational curses of your family. Of just, just it, it all it starts it start to all make sense, and it is not something that is easy to carry, especially when God is calling you to break the curse, especially when God is calling you to to to, to be the change. It is not something that is easy to carry. And y'all, I told I told my parents one time. Um, I said. I should either be in jail or I should be dead. But the fact that I'm here, the fact that I am here, I know what I did. Like, I'm not going to be in denial about my life. Like, I've been rocking with myself my whole life. I know what I did. I know the things that I've said. I know the things, the offenses I have created against other people. I should, Like I said, I should be either in jail or dead. But that self-awareness it causes it causes gratitude to flow freely from you to God. Thank you for never leaving me. Thank you for looking out for me even when I wasn't even looking for you. Like my eyes wasn't even fixed on God, but he was concerned about me. And all of this I don't I don't know what God is doing in the lives of others through this uh podcast. Like I said, Whatever flows to you from this is not me. It is not me. I I don't I didn't come up with none of this on my own. All of this is from God and God is using my life, my experiences to show you that you're not by yourself. You are not by yourself. So, um before we get out of here, I want I do want to end this with praise and worship and um I just want you to listen to this song and allow it to um Penetrate your hearts. Allow it to penetrate your hearts. Um, don't just listen to it because it sounds great. Like, and don't do that with all songs. Don't just listen to it because it sounds great. Listen to it to allow the words to penetrate your heart. So, um, yeah, we're gonna get out of here in, in praise and worship. And I thank God for you guys. And like I said, I do pray that you go out um, and pray this Psalms one. Go read the entire chapter of Psalms one thirty nine and pray. For guys to search your heart. And I'm telling you, 
it's no coming back from it. Once God exposed you to you, it's no coming back. But allow God to um, use it for the good. For every for for it to get uh for it to bring glory all to His name. So, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and close out with praise and worship.